Welcome to Season 3. The You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast is an authentic space to talk about life in truth and love. This podcast has evolved, which is no surprise to me, because when you live authentically, you experience a lot of change. Thankfully, it's always a positive change, because when you ditch the coulds and shoulds and let God lead, the outcome is always beautiful. This podcast started as a resource for recovering perfectionists, but has expanded into a place for all to come and be themselves, share their struggles and their victories, giving God the glory along the way. Our world today suffers from an excessive amount of pressure on all sides that leave an individual feeling overwhelmed, burnt out, and eventually hopeless. My guests and myself have experienced all of these feelings at one time or another, which is why these stories and encouragements will inspire and uplift you. Hi friends, welcome to season three of the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast. Season three has something extra special just for you. Along with the interviews you love from my authentic guests, you will have the opportunity to listen to the new free audio version of my newest book, The Relevant Old Testament, Illuminating Lessons from Imperfect People. I was inspired to create this audio version for those who want to listen during their commute or while doing the dishes. It is still recommended to sit down when you get a chance and go through this Bible study book as it involves a lot of one-on-one writing time with God. But I believe you will find this audio version helpful as you get started. Each chapter will be recorded as its own episode. Please feel free to share the listening links with your friends. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. The Relevant Old Testament, Illuminating Lessons from Imperfect People. Chapter 9, Joseph, Part 3. God restores people. Here we are. Chapter 45 is so beautiful that it makes me smile. Read through it and answer the following questions. So now I will read for you chapter 45. Joseph deals kindly with his brothers. Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood before him, and he cried, Have everyone go out from me. So there was no man with him. When Joseph made himself known to his brothers, he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his household, and ruler over all the land of Egypt. 
Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall live in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will also provide for you, for there are still five years of famine to come, and you and your household and all that you have would be impoverished. Behold, your eyes see, and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see, that it is my mouth which is speaking to you. Now you must tell my father of all splendor in Egypt, and all that you have seen, and you must hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept, and Benjamin wept on his neck. He kissed all his brothers and wept on them, and afterward his brothers talked with him. Now when the news was heard in Pharaoh's house that Joseph's brothers had come, it pleased Pharaoh and his servants. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, Do this. Load your beasts and go to the land of Canaan, and take your father and your households and come to me, and I will give you the best of the land of Egypt, and you will eat the fat of the land. Now you are ordered, Do this. Take wagons from the land of Egypt for your little ones and for your wives, and bring your father and come. Do not concern yourself with your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Then the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them wagons according to the command of Pharaoh, and gave them provisions for the journey. To each of them he gave changes of garments, but to Benjamin he gave three hundred pieces of silver and five changes of garments. To his father he sent as follows, ten donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt, and ten female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and sustenance for his father on the journey. So he sent his brothers away, and as they departed he said to them, Do not quarrel on the journey. Then they went up from Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their father Jacob. They told him, saying, Joseph is still alive, and indeed he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. But he was stunned, for he did not believe them. When they told him all the words of Joseph that he had spoken to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. Then Israel said, It is enough. My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. You guys, I love this so much. I, I said it before and I'm saying it again. This chapter makes me so happy. Oh my goodness. Okay, let's read and record. What does Joseph do in verses 1 through 4? Did his brothers believe him right away? Why or why not? Has Joseph forgotten what his brothers did to him? Has Joseph forgiven his brothers? What did Joseph instruct his brothers to do? Did Pharaoh back Joseph's decision? 
Does it seem like Joseph's brothers still hate him? How did Jacob take the news about what they were to do and that Joseph was still alive? Let's relate. Now do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Genesis 45, 5. Take a deep breath and a long moment to meditate on this verse. Soak it in. This one sentence sums up all the beauty in God's perfect plan. When I read it, my body exhales and my smile grows. Forgive yourself for the wrongs you have done, for God's plans preserve life. God forgives. He restores. He preserves life. God is enormous, and His love and forgiveness are a big part of who He is. When I can meditate on this picture of God, stress melts away, and peace begins to fill up every part of me. His perfect peace is always available to us, but we rarely understand it and don't experience it as often as we like. That is why returning to the Bible every day is such a big deal. Jacob and his entire family traveled to Egypt. With all the wives and children of his sons, there were 70 people. My favorite part of chapter 46 is that God spoke to Jacob as he was praying and told them, I am God, the God of your father. Do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you a great nation there. I will go down with you to Egypt, and I will also surely bring you up again. And Joseph will close your eyes. Genesis 46, 3-4 It's always so amazing when God responds to me. When God's will is confirmed, all anxiety melts away, and my focus sharpens. This passage says that he spoke to Jacob through visions in the night. But there is also clear and unmistakable speech. What a blessing and great comfort to Jacob. This is a big trip for him in more ways than one. And God was gracious enough to reach out and let him know that he would be with him. Take a moment to savor these two verses. Joseph prepared his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel. As soon as he appeared before them, he fell on his neck and wept on his neck a long time. Then Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die since I have seen your face, that you are still alive. Genesis 46, 29-30 Can you visualize this sweet encounter? Jacob thought Joseph had been dead for years, but here he is hugging him. The next four verses are interesting, 31-34. to 34. Does it sound like Joseph is telling them to lie? Joseph knows that the Egyptians hate shepherds, so he tells his brother not to mention they are shepherds. While I understand that he's just trying to help them settle in, this bugs me. Five of his brothers ignore his instruction anyway. If I had to guess as to the reason, it would be pride. It seems that honesty is still the best policy, right? And perhaps this may have been a mistake on Joseph's part. Maybe he slipped up and gave in to fear much like Abraham and Isaac did regarding their wives. 
And perhaps his brothers have decided to choose a wiser path in their new lives and not present themselves to the Pharaoh with a lie about who they were. But God took care of all of them, didn't he? Now, as you notice, we didn't actually read chapter 46. So I hope that you will do that on your own. Um, But that was kind of like a summary of it. And now we're going to read chapter 47 in our read and record section. Jacob's family settles in Goshen. Then Joseph went in and told Pharaoh and said, My father and his brothers and their flocks and their herds and all that they have have come out of the land of Canaan. And behold, they are in the land of Goshen. He took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, What is your occupation? So they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and our fathers. They said to Pharaoh, We have come to sojourn in the land, for there is no pasture for your servants' flocks. But the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now therefore, please let your servants live in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brother have come to you. The land of Egypt is at your disposal. Settle your father and your brothers in the best of the land. Let them live in the land of Goshen. And if you know any capable men among them, then put them in charge of my livestock. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob and presented him to Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to Jacob, How many years have you lived? So Jacob said to Pharaoh, The years of my sojourning are one hundred and thirty. Few and unpleasant have been the years of my life, nor have they attained the years that my fathers lived during the days of their sojourning. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramesses. As Pharaoh had ordered, Joseph provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food, according to their little ones. Now there was no food in all the land, because the famine was very severe so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. Joseph gathered all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the grain, which they bought, and Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. When the money was spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, Give us food, for why should we die in your presence? For our money is gone. Then Joseph said, Give up your livestock, and I will give you food for your livestock, since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and Joseph gave them food in exchange for the horses and flocks, and the herds and the donkeys, and he fed them with food in exchange for all their livestock that year. When that year was ended, they came to him the next year and said to him, We will not hide from my Lord that our money is all spent and the cattle are my Lord's. There is nothing left for my Lord except our bodies and our lands. Why should we die before your eyes, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for food, and we and our land will be slaves to Pharaoh. So give us seed that we may live and not die, 
and that the land may not be desolate. Results of the Famine So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for every Egyptian sold his field, because the famine was severe upon the land. Thus the land became Pharaoh's. As for the people, he removed them to the cities from one end of Egypt's border to the other. Only the land of the priests he did not buy, for the priests had an allotment from Pharaoh, and they lived off the allotment which Pharaoh gave them. Therefore, they did not sell their land. Then Joseph said to his people, Behold, I have today brought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you, and you may sow the land. At the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four-fifths shall be your own seed of the field, and for your food, and for those of your households, and as food for your little ones. So they said, You have saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's slaves. Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt valid to this day, that Pharaoh should have the fifth. Only the land of the priests did not become Pharaoh's. Now Israel lived in the land of Egypt, in Goshen, and they acquired property in it and were fruitful and became very numerous. Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years, so the length of Jacob's life was 147 years. When the time for Israel to die drew near, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Please, if I have found favor in your sight, place now your hand under my thigh and deal with me in kindness and faithfulness. Please do not bury me in Egypt. But when I lie down with my fathers, you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place. And he said, I will do as you have said. He said, Swear to me. So he swore to him. Then Israel bowed in worship at the head of the bed. And that is the end of chapter 47. Where did Pharaoh tell Joseph's family to go? Was this a nice place? How many years had Jacob been sojourning? Joseph's family was provided for, but what happens to the rest of Egypt in verses 13 through 19? Do the people seem upset with this agreement? What important facts do we learn in verses 27 to 31? Let's relate. In Genesis 47, 13 to 31, slavery in Egypt begins. I can honestly tell you that I had never noticed the detail before today. I'm not sure why this famine needed to end with slavery, but I can note that this agreement at this time seemed a positive solution. It was the people who requested it. Joseph created very generous terms, and the people were happy. Maybe it's a great example of what happens when people seek solutions without consulting God. I believe it's the reason our world is crumbling today. Man thinks his ways are best. But if you know anything about the book of Exodus, you know that those who were slaves were not treated with respect and consideration as they were in this passage. Jacob lived 17 years after he arrived in Egypt. So he lived 147 years in all. Genesis 46, 28. 
Another notable verse for me, as I find it amusing that Jacob, just like his father Isaac, thought his life would be ending long before it did. It amuses me because it makes me realize that humans are humans, no matter what age we are born into. We all have misconceptions about our lives, our unrealistic and unrealized expectations, especially around the topic of death. Most of us believe that we can make ourselves live longer and look younger if we want to. We can sure try, but God knows every single day that we will live. So I've learned the best use of my time is drawing closer to Him and seeking His ways, because that's all that matters. Jacob thought he'd die in grief. Joseph thought his brothers might be harmed unless they lied about their occupation. His brothers feared that Joseph was going to imprison them. But God restored them and blessed them all in abundance, giving them new life together in lush, fertile lands. This is still the God of today. He makes all things beautiful in his time if we let him. Thoughtful Pause What part of Joseph's story has impacted you the most so far? What has God restored in your life? In what situations have you expected the worst outcome, but instead they turned out better than you could have imagined? There have been appointments that fill me with dread, but it was a positive and even enjoyable experience when all is said and done. There have been conversations I didn't want to have. I was so scared that my stomach felt sick and my body shook, but the Lord came through and gave me peace. We can always expect the best with God. This doesn't mean that we enjoy every part of every day, but it means we can look for the good and find God there. Sometimes the good we are seeking is resting in His Word, and when we read it, we find comfort and assurance in Him. God Keeps His Promises Jacob had been part of the fulfillment of God's promise to Isaac and Abraham before him. In chapter 47 of Genesis, verses 29 to 31, we see that Jacob is now including Joseph into the promise. Joseph is not promised descendants as numerous as the sky, but he is asked to take his father's body back and to be buried with his ancestors and not to be left in Egypt. Joseph gave his oath and followed through with it when his father Jacob died. Read and record. Please read Genesis 48. So now I will read for you Genesis 48. Israel's Last Days Now it came about after these things that Joseph was told, Behold, your father is sick. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. When it was told to Jacob, Behold, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel collected his strength and sat up in the bed. Then Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And he said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous, and I will make you a company of peoples, and I will give this land to your descendants after you for an everlasting possession. Now your two sons, who were born to you in the land of Egypt, before I came to you in Egypt, are mine. 
Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simeon are. But your offspring that have been born after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the names of their brothers in their inheritance. Now as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died, to my sorrow in the land of Canaan, on the journey, when there was still some distance to go, to Ephrath. And I buried her there on the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, They are my sons, whom God has given me here. So he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were so dim from age that he could not see. Then Joseph brought them close to him, and he kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, and behold, God has let me see your children as well. Then Joseph took them from his knees and bowed with his face to the ground. Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand toward Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand toward Israel's right, and brought them close to him. But Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was firstborn. He blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and may my name live on in them, and the names of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and may they grow in multitude and in the midst of the earth. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on Ephraim's head, it displeased him, and he grasped his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph said to his father, Not so, my father, for this one is the firstborn. Place your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also will become a people, and he also will be great. However, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his descendants shall become a multitude of nations. He blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will pronounce blessing, saying, May God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die, but God will be with you and bring you back to the land of your fathers. I give you one portion more than your brothers, which I took from the hand of the Amorite with my sword and my bow. And that is the end of chapter 48. In your own words, write down what happens in verses 1 through 6. Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, were given Reuben and Simeon's birthright but not in deceit like Jacob practiced long ago. What does Jacob promise Ephraim and Manasseh? Verses 7 through 16. Does this promise sound familiar? Verse 7 seemed confusing to me. Why was Jacob talking about Rachel and how he buried her? 
It turns out that his remembrance of Rachel, his favorite wife, was the inspiration for giving Ephraim and Manasseh the promise that God initially gave Abraham. What surprises you in passage 17 through 22? Why was Joseph upset that Jacob put his right hand on Ephraim? Verses 17 to 19. What similarities do you see between Isaac's blessing of Jacob and Esau back in chapters 27 and 28 of Genesis? And Jacob's blessing of Ephraim and Manasseh in Genesis 48, 10 through 22. What were the words of blessing that Jacob spoke over Ephraim and Manasseh? Verse 20. Let's relate. The nuance and detail of these stories excites me. As I read the book of Genesis, the images that appear in my head as vivid as a movie on the big screen. I hope that you have sensed this living word at work in your life. Do you feel the connectedness throughout these stories? Can you now think of these characters in the same way you think of your favorite television or movie character? Do any of the characters feel familiar to you now, or can you relate to any of them? What can we learn about God as we see this pattern of our younger being blessed above the older? Back when Jacob was blessed more favorably over Esau, I felt irritated, perhaps because I'm the firstborn. If being firstborn is supposed to come with certain perks, and those perks are denied and given to a younger sibling instead, it seems unfair. But as God walks with me through the Bible, my perspective changes. I now see this shift in favoritism as something promising for us. It represents freedom from heritage and cultural rules. Just because something is a law or a custom doesn't mean that God can't overrule it, and I absolutely love that. Whether we are aware of the boxes we put ourselves and society in, I assure you they are there, and they make a huge difference in how we look at the world around us. Discovering patterns like this unmerited favoritism in the Bible allows us to break some of those boxes, and in so doing, we get more familiar with the voice of God in our own lives. Thoughtful Pause Let's take a long, thoughtful pause and think about all that has happened in Joseph's story. Once there was brokenness, envy, and cruelty. And then there was restoration, love, and gratitude. Joseph and his brothers had a beautiful and tearful reunion. The whole family was given the most fertile land in all of Egypt and lived very well. And Jacob was reunited with his favorite son. If that is not a happy ending, then I don't know what is. Then Jacob said to Joseph, I never thought I would see your face again, but now God has let me see your children too. Genesis 48:11 NLT. This one sentence is easy to read right over, so I didn't want to close out chapter 48 without highlighting it. God is good. He gives us so many blessings like seeing the grandsons of a son he thought had already died. 
What is a one-sentence blessing in your life that is worth savoring and praising God for in this moment? Please write it down so that you can come back to it later and celebrate again. A blessing I want to savor in my life is surviving my pregnancies and having two of the most amazing daughters a mother could have. I'm telling you, these girls are jam-packed with God's spectacular love, beauty, grace, and creativity. No one will ever know how much I suffered except God, and I'm guessing Jacob's sons couldn't fully grasp the grief that ached inside Jacob when he thought Joseph was dead. But Jacob was blessed, not only to see Joseph again, but to meet his grandsons. Important History and Prophecy The name of all of Jacob's sons are given in chapters 29 and 30, except for Benjamin, who was born much later in chapter 35, right before Rachel died. Here in chapter 49, we have insight and prophecy from Jacob given about each son. Jacob calls all his sons together and acts as an oracle to each of them. Read and record. Read chapter 49 and answer the following questions as you go. So now I will read for you chapter 49. Israel's Prophecy Concerning His Sons Then Jacob summoned his son and said, Assemble yourselves, that I may tell you what will befall you in the days to come. Gather together and hear, O sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. Uncontrolled as water, you shall not have preeminence, because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are implementing a violence. Let my soul not enter into their council. Let not my glory be united with their assembly, because in their anger they slew men, and in their self-will they lamed oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and in their wrath, for it is cruel. I will disperse them in Jacob, and scatter them in Israel. Judah, your brother shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He couches, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who dares rouse him up. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. He ties his fowl to the vine, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He washes his garments in wine, and his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes are dull from wine, and his teeth white from milk. Zebulun will dwell at the seashores, and he shall be a haven for ships, and his flank shall be toward Sidon. Issachar is a strong donkey, lying down between the sheepfolds. When he saw that a resting place was good, and that the land was pleasant, 
he bowed his shoulders to bear burdens and became a slave at forced labor. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a horned snake in the path that bites the horse's heels so that the rider falls backward. For your salvation I wait, O Lord. As for Gad, raiders shall raid him, but he will raid at their heels. As for Asher, his food shall be rich, and he will yield royal dainties. Naphtali is a doe let loose. He gives beautiful words. Joseph is fruitful bough. Joseph is a fruitful bough, a fruitful bough by a spring. Its branches run over a wall. The archers bitterly attack him and shot at him and harassed him, but his bow remained firm and his arms were agile. From the hands of the mighty one of Jacob, from there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. From the God of your father who helps you and by the Almighty who blesses you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessings of the breasts and of the womb. The blessings of your father have surpassed the blessings of my ancestors. Up to the utmost bound of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the crown of the head of the one distinguished among his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he devours the prey, and in the evening he divides the spoil. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them when he blessed them. He blessed them, every one, with the blessing appropriate to him. Then he charged them and said to them, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron, the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought along with the field from Ephron, the Hittite, for a burial site. There they buried Abraham and his wife Sarah. There they buried Isaac and his wife Rebekah. And there I buried Leah, the field and the cave that is in it, purchased from the sons of Heth. When Jacob finished charging his sons, he drew his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. And that is the end of chapter 49. What did Jacob say about Reuben, verses 3 to 4? Was Jacob fond of Simeon and Levi, verses 5 to 7? Jacob has a lot more to say about Judah, and his fate is much better than Simeon and Levi. What does Jacob say about Judah, and what do you think is most remarkable about his future? Verses 8 through 12. Reread verses 11 through 12. Of whom does this remind you? What will Zebulun and Issachar be? Verses 13 to 15. What does Jacob say about Dan, verses 16 to 18? Why do you think Jacob says, I trust in you for salvation, O Lord, in verse 18? What will happen to Gad, Asher, and Naphtali, verses 19 to 21?
As you would expect, Joseph's future seems to come with great honor. Please read chapter 49, verses 22 to 26. Does Joseph's description in this passage remind you of anyone from the New Testament? Hint, he's kind of a big deal. Write this passage down in your own handwriting and visualize these beautiful word pictures. How does Jacob describe Benjamin? Are you surprised by this, given what you know about him? Upon the close of this chapter, we read about Jacob's death and burial. Please reread chapter 49, verses 29 to 33. Who else was buried in the field of Ephron the Hittite in the land of Canaan? Let's relate. Have you noticed that Jacob's twelve sons are also the names of the twelve tribes of Israel? I've always found that to be cool. It is yet another way that God shows his intentionality in planning. And I'm sure you've just remembered, but Jacob was renamed Israel by God. Maybe I'm a sucker for symbolism, but this blesses me because it gives me even more reason to trust him. Hopefully you've been intrigued enough by Genesis that you're already planning to jump into Exodus. When you do, you will notice that these words from Jacob are true not just for the man, but also for the tribe. These are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said as he told his sons goodbye. He blessed each one with the appropriate message. Genesis forty nine twenty eight NLT If you are a sucker for nostalgia, you will hopefully feel something as you read this last passage, verses 29 to 33. All of these descendants of Abraham were buried all in the same place, and not by accident. God arranged all of this before it came to be, just like he has set our lives for those who call themselves heirs. This passage brings me comfort and strengthens my faith. I can trust God to take care of everything. He is trustworthy. Thoughtful Pause We've been focused on Joseph's story for a bit here, but this is where Jacob's story officially ends. And what a great story it was. Do you see how beautifully God crafted Jacob's life from the beginning to the end? Do you see all the ways where he took Jacob's life and transformed it? I didn't see it happen all at once. It happened over a long lifetime. We can look at our lives like that as well. Just because we might be wrestling with something right now, or because we got cheated, doesn't mean it's the end of the story. Jacob got to charge his sons in great detail, and then lay in his bed and die. How nice it is to share your dying wish, and then lay down in your bed and breathe your last breath peacefully. I think if it were an option, we would all opt for an organized and timely death. No surprise, no unspoken words, just a time to exit. No matter when or how the story ends, we can praise God through it all because he is worthy. The end of Genesis. We have made it until the end of Genesis, my friends. Are you sad? Part of me hopes you are because it means you've sincerely enjoyed getting to know God and his character better through these stories and through every person we have studied. Please read Genesis chapter 50.
So now I will read chapter 50 for you. The Death of Israel Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. Joseph commanded his servants and physicians to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Now forty days were required for it, for such is the period required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him seventy days. When the days of mourning for him were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your sight, please speak to Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am about to die in my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. There you shall bury me. Now, therefore, please let me go up and bury my father. Then I will return. Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear. So Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of the household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, and all the household of Joseph, and his brothers, and his father's household. They left only their little ones, their flocks, and their herds in the land of Goshen. There also went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. When they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a very great and sorrowful lamentation. And he observed seven days mourning for his father. Now when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning at the threshing floor of Atad, they said, This is a grievous mourning for the Egyptians. Therefore it was named Abel Mizraim, which is beyond the Jordan. Burial at Machpelah Thus his sons did for him as he charged them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham had bought along with the field for the burial site from Ephron the Hittite. After he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? So they sent a message to Joseph, saying, Your father charged before he died, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am in God's place. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve many people alive. So therefore do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Death of Joseph 
Now Joseph stayed in Egypt, he and his father's household. And Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw the third generation of Ephraim's sons. Also the sons of Machir, the sons of Manasseh, were born on Joseph's knees. Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised on oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. And that is the end of chapter 50 and the book of Genesis. And now I have some questions for you. Joseph commanded his servants to embalm his father Israel for 40 days, as was the requirement. Generally, the number of 40 represents a time of testing. We see this time of testing in Moses' story and the Israelites he leads through the wilderness, Exodus. We recognize this probation period in Jonah's account with the Ninevites. Elijah went 40 days and 40 nights without food or water. And we all remember the flood, where it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. There are 146 times where the number 40 is significantly attached to a story, and 860 references to the number 7 if we account for the times that sevenfold and seventh are used. In Revelation alone, 7 is referenced 54 times. The number 7 is the foundation of God's Word. 7 is the number of completeness and perfection. And that's from BibleStudy.org. Now that you're aware of the significance, it should pop out to you as you read through the Bible. It will be a fun little treat you can experience time and time again. There are even more numbers with symbolic meaning, and I encourage you to investigate them as you journey through the Bible. Remember, just a couple chapters ago, Joseph thought his brothers would need to bend the truth a bit about being shepherds. Now 40 days were required for it, for such is the period required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him 70 days. When the days of mourning were when the days of mourning for him were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh saying, "If now I have found favor in your sight, please speak to Pharaoh saying, My father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am about to die in my grave which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. There you shall bury me. Now therefore, please let me go up and bury my father, then I will return. Pharaoh said, Go up and bury your father, as he has made you swear. Genesis 50, 3-6 This passage proves Joseph wrong. The people loved Joseph and held him in very high regard so much so that they mourned his father's death for longer than they would generally mourn the Pharaoh. Can you remember why the people loved and favored Joseph so much? God's presence and power in Joseph's life was evident. The people honored the presence of God whether they fully understood it or not. As I've said before, all of this special treatment isn't to speak of how worthy Joseph was, Instead, it was about how God breaks barriers. 
He doesn't even need our help. The Egyptians, who were disgusted by Hebrew people and by shepherds, had been serving Joseph with great pleasure and honored him by grieving his Hebrew father. This is a mighty work of God. Joseph is shown favor in the eyes of Pharaoh once again and leaves Egypt to bury his father in the land of Canaan, just like he promised. I looked it up on a map, and Canaan is far from Goshen, especially on foot, which means Pharaoh knew that Joseph would be gone for a considerable amount of time. We've just read chapter 50. If you go back to verses 7 through 21, I'd love you to write down any observations that grab you. Joseph left with his large crew, including elders from both his household and Egypt's land, including chariots and horsemen. They were all well prepared for the journey. I found it interesting that even though the Egyptians had already been mourning for 40 days, they wept for seven more days when they reached the threshing floor of Atad, beyond the Jordan. Their lamenting was filled with so much sorrow the Canaanites noticed and knew that a great event was taking place and named it Abel Mizraim, which translates to Egypt's Meadow, Mourning. Bible Knowledge Commentary, 1978 edition. With Jacob gone, Joseph's brothers now feared that he might be harsh with them, but he wasn't. Joseph comforted them and said, Do not be afraid, for I am in God's place. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about his present result to preserve many people alive. Genesis 50, 19-20 Read this passage one more time. Really savor it. Do you ever experience situations that feel evil against you? How does this passage comfort you? As the final chapter closes out, we see that Joseph did return to Egypt after burying his father in Canaan, and he saw his family grow up before he passed at the age of 110. He was embalmed like his father, but unlike his father, he was buried in Egypt. Genesis 50, verses 22 to 26. What did Joseph promise his brothers in verses 24 and 25? What did Joseph make the sons of Israel swear. Verse 25. Let's relate. Let's unpack this message just a little bit more. Joseph isn't just talking about his good. He refers to the famine in Egypt, and I believe the restoration brought about with his family. Let's add in verse 21 because it highlights the tone. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I can picture the gentle sound of his voice and even throwing his arms around them as he says this. He has no hatred and holds no grudge against his brothers. Even as I write this, the tears are welling up in my eyes. Joseph's willingness to forgive and apply grace brings me to tears because it is not displayed in our fast-paced, quick-fix society today. Sadly, in the year 2021, practicing blame and judgment is the normal way to function. We play judge and jury over all things, big and small, even though this is not our job. 
and it only wreaks havoc on our souls. In verses 24 to 25, Joseph reminds the sons of Israel of what they are to do. He reminds them of God's promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and ensures that his bones are brought to his promised land when God leads them. The book of Genesis closes with great expectation of God's still unfulfilled promised land, and this is so important. The anticipation of God's promise can carry us through times of famine or times of oppression. Even though Abraham's descendants did not yet inhabit the promised land, look at the good God did in the waiting for that promise. I challenge you to go back and reread Joseph's story, starting at chapter 37, and notice what new insights and blessings you can glean from this beautiful story. Thoughtful pause. For now, what impacted you most about Joseph's story? What was your favorite part? Okay, friends, we have finally finished chapter 9 of the relevant Old Testament, and I hope that you loved it. And I hope you will come back with me one more time and finish this book with chapter 10. Take care. Hi, friends. I'm so glad you've been enjoying the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast and wanted you to know that if you'd like to support and help share its uplifting message, you can leave a positive review on Apple or Spotify. To donate 99 cents, $4.99, or $9.99 a month, simply click the Anchor link in the notes of this show. Once you're on the Anchor homepage of the You Don't Have to Be Perfect podcast, click the middle button that says Support, and select your amount and enter your info. It's quick and easy and will make a great impact on the lives of my family. Thanks for being with me today. Let's keep practicing saying no to perfect and yes to truth. Take care. Thank you.